1: Good evening everybody. This is the Wrestling Inc raw post game show live on the Wrestling Inc YouTube channel. I am Michael Wiseman here. I have uh, you know I started out at the bottom and I've worked my way up the card um, from lowly co-host of the Tuesday Winkly with Nick Hosman, your your website managing editor and now I mean I think it's just because I'm the last man standing here, but it's me and Raj and and we're taking this thing home tonight here on uh, Monday night.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the illness bug has been, uh, striking hard. Matt, is uh, really sick with the flu. Glenn also apparently got it from Matt. Uh, well, he, he didn't really, <laughs> but yeah, Glenn also, uh, got sick and, and couldn't make it tonight. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, hopefully they both feel better soon.
1: So you're stuck with me is what you're saying. I, I, you know, Nick always says "Your managing okay. editor, whatever, you know, Nick Hosman here, you're managing editor every Tuesday we do the show. So I guess for me, I'm just here to say Michael Wiseman, your weekly contributor and sometimes guest host on podcasts. So there you go. So excited to be here, though. Um, Raj, I, I really did. Um, I, we'll dive into specifics here in a second. But, um, you know, I, I thought there there have been some mixed reactions to the Rumble last night. I've, I've kind of read some stuff afterwards. I enjoyed the show from top to bottom. It was long, whatever else. But I did think it was a decent rumble. And so coming into the night, I was a little hyped to see what raw was going to bring. And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised with the show we got this evening.
0: Yeah. I thought, um, I actually thought this was one of the best Raw's in a while. Um, there wasn't much that felt like just meaningless filler. I mean, there was a, a little bit, but for the most part, I thought it, it didn't drag it, uh, it, it moved along really well. I thought it was a really good show. I mean, the only one that I kind of was losing interest in was the uh, Natalia-Dana Brooke match, the, the qualifier against the, the Ride Squad. But even that wasn't, wasn't bad, and I thought Dana looked uh, better than she has in a long time. So a uh, really, really, really good show, I thought, tonight.
1: Absolutely. I think the words I told you beforehand was it was the most consistent and coherent raw we've had in a number of weeks and a number of months. And um, I was glad to see it felt like WWE did put forth that effort. You know, really, the Rumble is the kickoff to Mania season every year. We are on the road to WrestleMania. And so uh, it needed to feel hot out the gate on this Monday night. And I think WWE did a really good job of conveying that feeling. I mean, it kicked off big, top of the show. We got, you know. Our man Seth Rollins coming out here too. We thought to make the decision, make the announcement. Um, it ended up Seth Rollins came out and cut a really emotional promo about what this meant to him to kind of win the Rumble. He pointed to the sign a lot, um, and and he teared up. And I, I thought that was a pretty cool moment here. Um. Triple H joined him in the ring, right? Uh, Triple H said how big this was, really put over what this meant for Rollins and what it means to go to WrestleMania. Um, Triple H even teared up a little bit, which I thought was pretty special. Um, And there was a kind of a cool moment there, knowing these guys have, you know, had their feud from a few years ago, seeing them in the ring together um, really did sell. I think that uh, Rollins win last night was a, we we lose sight of this sometimes to get really caught up in the fact that the rumble uh, is about guest appearances and about seeing this big match and the big dynamic here but for a wrestler to win the royal rumble is a really special career accomplishment
0: yeah i mean how many how many of those have there been you know sure um so there yeah there haven't been that many um yeah i thought it uh it was a good promo it really Uh, it really showed how important it was to Seth that moment. It really felt real. Again, I'm a big fan of when things on, you know, on screen appear real as opposed to scripted. And I felt like that most of this felt uh, very genuine. So I thought it was a very strong opening segment. I don't The ending, uh, you know, with Brock laying, we'll we'll get to it. But yeah, I, I thought this was really good.
1: Do you like the use of Triple H here? That's that's my big thing here. Is I know some fans are kind of divided here. Triple H putting over Rollins and making uh, it couldn't just be Rollins' moment; it had to be Triple H's moment. Fans always have their opinions about Triple H. What did you think?
0: I thought it was fine. I I felt like it was more kind of you know really accentuating um, Rollins, you know, achieving and and Sith, uh, and Triple H kind of uh, kind of vouching for him. Um, you know, if it was wrestlemania and seth beats brock and then triple h comes out then i you know i wouldn't agree <laughs> with that but for for this promo I, I thought it was fine
1: are you are you still bitter over the fact that triple h booked himself to go over on sting back at wrestlemania 31 that's the that's the one gripe the fans can never seem to let go of is that triple h pinned sting after a multi-man interference at, at wrestlemania one year um i, I, yeah. I didn't like this segment um, it didn't it didn't feel forced. I think you're right. It really did feel more like Triple H was passing the torch in a way. He's done that before already. Um, but then then we got the addition of Dean Ambrose um and the pickup of their feud there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh Dean, man, he's got he's I find him very entertaining. I, I his character is entertaining, but what he's being given hasn't been, um, hasn't been strong. And I, I just feel like he's just been kind of just really downhill um, uh, for for at least a month. Sure, I, I just I just feel like they're not booking him well. Um, but you know, I, I find I find his his character entertaining. I just feel like you know getting inoculated and you know needles in his ass and you know <laughs> like uh, never really explaining why he turned on Seth, never having a really strong reason for doing that. I, it just feels like this heel turn has been just gone haywire
1: he, he's been unhinged and i i do think dean ambrose needs to be that kind of unhinged reckless um you never know what's going to happen kind of character and i i like that about him but to your point some of the promos they've done with that have been super weird and and the feud with rollins really felt like it had potential i like the idea of them going back at this blood brother feud i think it's special But I feel like Dean's weirdness kind of got in the way of what could have been, I think, one of the best feuds of last year.
0: Yeah, I I feel like never having that strong reason for turning on him hurt the feud. Like it never really got going. It was just there. So um, it always
1: felt more like that he turned on him just because he's wild and reckless, you know.
0: Yeah, but even that never it never hit home. It it never you know it never took Dean to that next level. Like it it should have. You know, they had him turn on the night that Roman Reigns announced his leukemia. So you're, you're throwing that kind of heat and then not going really anywhere with it. and he,
1: It fizzled out. Yeah, they did reference that here in this segment. So um, Ambrose did come out, challenged Triple H, uh, or, or challenged, excuse me, Seth Rollins to a match, basically called him out and said, you know, you don't deserve to be here, whatever else. And uh, I, I like the little jab here Triple H gave back at him um, for for kind of... Turning on them the night that Roman Reigns announces leukemia. Um, the, the match was was pretty good, I thought. It was a, a multi-segment match, we, so the, that always breaks up the flow to me. I don't always like the fact that we have these giant commercial breaks in real, between. Real,
0: real quick, uh, uh, Dean took a couple shots at Triple H. Triple H wasn't <laughs> going to do the match and was starting to leave the ring, and then Dean made a comment like, do you need to go backstage and ask your father-in-law? <laughs> and it was kind of a funny moment that the crowd started chanting like, yes, he does. Which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but it was, yeah, a, it was so a good I, shot. I, wonder, I like that. Yeah.
0: I wonder if they're teasing Dean and triple H uh, for mania. Cause you know, triple H has got have a match and Batista has got a couple movie, big movie
1: projects coming up. So
0: if he's not able to do it, um, I mean, who else really is there?
1: That could, that could be, I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, you know, Dean, Dean's been in a weird spot since losing the title, uh, and I, I think that coming out of the Seth Rollins feud, he's felt, to your point earlier, a little bit aimless, and I think a Triple H rivalry could be really good going into mania for Ambrose. I, I guess Triple H would have to be the good guy in that, that feud, right? Is that what we'd say? I would, yeah, I would say so, and,
0: I'm, yeah. and maybe that'll help Ambrose with the heel turn because it hasn't gotten going.
1: Yeah. I I did like that shot though. No, you're right to call that out because, um, that was a fun little moment. Their audience definitely reacted to it and it's always fun to get those little jabs in. So, um, yeah, because Ambrose just, he felt like
0: a star again. You know, it's not, I I felt like Ambrose was really good there. He just, just the, the booking that they've had for him hasn't been that strong.
1: So he, he did, we did we did have a pretty good match here. Um I, I really liked um uh, the back and forth here. It's it's not anything new from either one of these guys. I think my favorite thing about this match, though, was the fact that the curb stomp. So Seth Rollins at the end of the match hits a curb stomp to get the win. But it wasn't just any curb stomp. It was like Dean Ambrose was like levitating above the ring for half a second and and Seth Rollins nails this move and it's like that whatever The Rock used to oversell uh, the Stone Cold Center back in the day and would do the backflips. We definitely had that here tonight with with Dean Ambrose popping back, takes the curb stop, pops back up and lands on his back in like a really dramatic fashion. So um, I, I felt like this was the we need to end this feud, and we've got to give Seth Rollins his win back over Dean Ambrose moment from a month ago, so uh, Seth Rollins can look strong moving forward to his future feud with with Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, it was it was good. Yeah, I mean, you
0: you basically had Seth over the last several months getting beat by Dean and Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, um, so. I felt like this was important to for him to finally get that win over Dean because they hadn't done that yet. I don't think right on TV they had no. Dean beat him on the pay per view. Yeah, but um, so I, yeah, I thought it was good to you know kind of give him some steam. I think Seth kind of really needs it. I mean, more than just winning the Rumble, I feel like he needs to get some wins because he hasn't been booked the hottest uh, over the past several months.
1: Absolutely, he he kind of did take the losing end of that feud with Dean Ambrose. So I'm glad to see him kind of earn back that win here on a very um and, and a very hot night for Seth Rollins, we'll say. And, uh, and then the strangest thing happened, right? Seth Rollins celebrates, goes out to the ring. We go to commercial, come back, and Dean Ambrose is still in the ring. He's doing the classic wrestler in the chair refusing to leave thing. Um, of course, the music hits. Nia Jackson, Tamina, both are coming down, and uh, Dean Ambrose just stays there. And I, I thought this was a really interesting segment. I was wanting more from Dean Ambrose here. Like, was he? in the ring to stop the show was he so pissed off about losing instead we got this kind of strange segment between Nia Jax and Dean Ambrose where Nia Jax uh, they kind of jot at each other for a minute and Dean walks away and, and Nia Jax takes a cheap shot and just nails him in the back I don't know if this was done to really kind of sell the fact that I think the writers just wanted to get across that Nia Jax was in the ring with men last night. Also make Dean Ambrose look even that much kind of weaker and more pathetic on the way out. But it just struck me as a little bit weird the way that whole entire segment was booked because it felt like there was no grander purpose here. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it it, it was weird and that's why I almost felt like they're not going with Dean versus Triple H. Why, why, if you're going to build them to a big match like that, why have them get punked out by Nia? Granted, sure. it wasn't like uh beat up or anything. It just, it seemed weird. Like, I don't know where they're going with this. Um, I don't know if it's just a way to start introducing like men versus women matches or um, because, you know, by having Nia in the rumble and taking bumps uh, from men, which they haven't been doing for forever um, sure. since they went PG, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure where they're going with it, but can, can it, I get you? I, I agree with you.
1: Let me ask you this, Raj. Do What's you that? think there's a possibility at all? Um, and maybe I'm at a left field here. Call me on, on it, right? But is there any possibility that I know that Nia jackson and Tamina won to go on to uh, the Elimination Chamber? They qualified for the Women's Tag Team Championship match. But is there a possibility they lose that match and they decide to pick up this feud and do a Dean Ambrose Nia Jax feud in, in some way, shape, or form? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: yeah I I hope not but it does almost seem like that's what they're doing is they're moving Nia into a feud with a a man yeah um
1: so I don't know you could do it with Dean Ambrose more than a lot of characters just because he is so unhinged but also there's a part of me that feels like that kind of it's not the right booking for him I think it almost felt like a, a step back for Dean Ambrose and what he needs to be here in 2019 I agree um we we had a pretty good we had a we had a fine match here um Nia Jackson Tamina took on um Mickey Mickey James and Alexa Bliss. Uh I think this was the first qualifying match we've had for that elimination chamber and they had the tag team the women's tag team gold out at ringside. I'm glad they had that out there on display. This was the first time we've had these women clashing in this tag team match to qualify um, Nia Jackson Tamina walked away with the wind it was a pretty convincing win here for Nia Jackson Tamina um, and and I, I you know I get it. I get why they're putting them together and putting them into the Elimination Chamber match. I've got to think bigger things are on the horizon for Alexa Bliss. I I guess they're slotting her out here so they can maybe do something else with her going into Mania season. But um, my biggest complaint here is that I felt like Nia, Jackson, Tamina are, again, that classic, we just paired up women who look similar and are destructive and big. And I I don't. it just doesn't feel kind of organic in some way.
0: Well, I mean, they are really related. Well, that's true. And uh, but I, I get, yeah, I mean, and they, they've been doing stuff kind of together for a while, so um, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me. I I, th- I think it's fine, it, it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I I did feel like Alexa Bliss coming back from injury, it it, it just felt like uh, oh, she's back, and here she is. As but, like sometimes when you get a, a bigger star coming back, I, I'd like to see a little more of a, being a big deal, um, sure. but um. It was what it was. This match was kind of nothing. But, uh, yeah, I think they're setting up uh, Nia and Tamina to be the, the monster heel uh, team. And they're, my guess is that they'd be facing, uh, you know, pr- Sasha and Bailey. Well, I guess it's an elimination chamber, right? So it's six right. teams.
1: Yeah, it's six teams. Um, but, uh, yeah,
0: I would guess Wrestle- that WrestleMania match would probably be Nia and Tamina against Sasha and Bailey, But we'll see.
1: Yeah, that, that would make a lot of sense there. You could you could do a pretty good build there, especially with Sasha and Bailey. It would feel special. I think that would be a, a fun way to make the women's championship really or the women's tag team championship really matter here. Um, but Alexa Bliss, you're right. She kind of came back to this big deal, and they did not make a big deal about it here on Raw tonight, which I find very disappointing. Again, she teamed with Mickey James. Mickey James is, is in this spot right now where she's just kind of helping out whatever younger talents around in, in whatever fashion. They had a, a brief promo they cut, but none of it felt really that. That special for Alexa Bliss, I I just got to think they needed somebody to lose tonight, and hopefully they're going to kind of hit that spark with Alexa Bliss and do more with her moving forward, maybe after Elimination Chamber. We'll see. Yeah, I hope so um we we had this interesting i think it's i really like the promo um but it was a it was interesting in the way wwe handled it so we had this promo by kurt angle uh in the back he was being interviewed about baron corbin and he was kind of blaming baron corbin for saying you know baron corbin's the reason i'm not gm anymore and i'm still pissed off about it and they used this segment to go back and like go back in the way back machine and show clips of 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 You know, Kurt Angle losing to Drew McIntyre. And it just felt like a strange moment to bring up all these times Kurt Angle has lost unless you're going to give Kurt Angle a big win here. And um, so I I do like the fact that it felt more like an old school wrestler intense Kurt Angle than what we kind of had when he was doing his GM shtick. I did enjoy that. This was, of course, setting up the match. Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle were going at it. Um, And then this match was very short. Uh, both men got a little bit of offense in here, but the worst part about this match to me, Raj, was the fact that we had this announced team bickering nonstop for the entire thing. So even when there was good offense happening in the ring, even when one of these men were getting the upper hand, we kept losing focus on that because we had uh, the announced team, just Corey Graves going on and on about Michael Cole yelling over them and yada, yada, yada. And I just thought it really hurt this match.
0: Uh, There's a few things here. I thought, um, one, I, that that promo, I, I like Kurt Angle's promo, but I didn't like them inserting the clips into it. I just sure. felt like it it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem organic. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of the, or, more, the more organic, more realistic feeling promos. Uh, that being said, it's like, why bring Kurt Angle at all if all you're going to do is use him as a job guy? And the fact that we're getting close to WrestleMania season would make me believe that him getting beat like this, him being a nothing in the Rumble, is leading to a storyline of like some sort of like a redemption storyline that leads to a match at WrestleMania where maybe it's his career on the line or something like that. Because otherwise it just seems like a complete waste. I understand when some guys get older, um, you know, like Nikolai Volkov, when he joined money, you know, the the money corporation or whatever Ted DiBiase's group was called, you know, someone like that doing the jobs all the time, that's fine. But Kurt Angle, he was – you know, he was in arguably the match of the night at, you know, part of the match of the night at WrestleMania, just the last WrestleMania, not even a year ago. So it just seems like a weird way to use him to just be nothing. So I'm hoping that this is uh, leading to a bigger storyline uh, that leads to a, a big match for Kurt at WrestleMania. But with WWE, oftentimes I'll give them the benefit of that. And that's not the case.
1: Yeah, you're right. I think in my my mind, uh, that would be a great way to go with this. Let him earn back his stripes, as they say. Um, I do like the fact that they're treating Kurt Angle more like a regular roster talent now and not just like a special attraction. I I think Kurt Angle should be a special attraction. Absolutely. But treating him more like a wrestler and not as an on-screen character, I think it's a good transition. But you can't have him lose all the time if you want fans to take him seriously, especially not to lose this quickly. Uh, and so, you know, and Kurt Angle can still go, y'all. Listen, I, I get it. He's not in his prime anymore. We're not going to be having five-star matches with Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Triple, whoever you want to put in that spot, right? But give the man credit. He can still do some, some pretty phenomenal stuff in the ring. So I, I would you know yeah and i and i actually i actually
0: disagree with you on that i feel like he should only be a special attraction like a triple h like sting was at the end because he is 50 he's not going to be working every week and all the house shows and things like that so he's not just going to be doing you know everyday angles so with that it should be and, and he is a huge name um so yeah, I would just look at the way a Triple H or Shawn Michaels
1: or one of those guys would be booked. Um, and that's fair. I think I think what I, I kind of meant more by that was I, maybe he shouldn't be in every Raw or SmackDown Wrestling, absolutely. But mm. I like them treating him like a wrestler and not like a GM or a commissioner or an authority oh, gotcha. figure. I, I like the fact that he's Kurt Angle, the wrestler again, and that's what gotcha. I want to do more of.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with
1: I noticed something really interesting about this point. So Kurt Angle did lose. Um, he, he, Kurt, you know Baron Corbin sneaks by with the win here again. Got lost in the shuffle here of the announced team bickering, and again that takes away from the segment and this match and everything else so much. Uh, Baron Corbin did not hit um, his end of days finisher. He hit that. What's that called? The sidewalk slam thingy he does. Um, th- that other finisher he has. It was kind of a weak way for Angle to lose. Uh, And then Baron Corbin came back in and kind of beat him up and hit his end of day's finisher again at the end. I noticed something interesting after this segment, and that was all through the night. And I don't remember this happening as consistently recently, but all through the night, WWE and Raw were advertising the next segment every single time. It was like coming up next or coming up later on tonight or this and that. They were consistently doing this. And I feel like that's a reaction to what happened last week where they lost. So many viewers over the course of their
0: three hours. Historic. It was the biggest drop from the first hour to the third in history. So, yeah, you saw, you're absolutely right. They were building to the next segment. They had the big announcement, Seth Rollins' big announcement at the end of the night, not like lately where they just do it right off the bat. Um, and I, you know, I thought it made for a much better show that way. Cause a lot of times a third hour is so completely meaningless that it just makes the show feel on. And it, that didn't feel like the case this week. And I bet you're going to see that in the ratings.
1: It's, 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 the thing I've said for years is that wrestling, I mean, wrestling fans definitely want great wrestling matches. Don't get me wrong, but what wrestling fans really want are what they're watching to matter. And I think this is a case where, you felt like what you were watching on TV mattered because number one, you knew there were more important things coming. Number two, almost everything had some kind of stake. I mean, even the Baron Corbin Kurt Angle thing had a personal aspect to it. The women's tag matches were about getting their spot in the elimination chamber. And we had all, like, every segment pretty much had something to it that mattered. And so I, I think that was really great. And then again, Raw recognized, they gave you a hook at the beginning of the night. I love it when they do this. Beginning of the night, Seth Rollins comes out. By the end of the night, we need an answer for you. So you're going to come back out in three hours and give us that answer. And that's a great way to keep fans hooked. So anyway, just an observation there. We did have right here. Michael Cole
0: during commentary, there was one point during commentary where we acknowledged that raw had their lowest ratings in history. And that's just something I would not mention (laughs) in public on air to your audience, you know, like that just one month ago, you were getting record low ratings. Um, I would not mention that.
1: <laughs> well, and they were doing, I mean, I get it. They were doing it to kind of make fun of Baron Corbin and say it's Baron Corbin's yeah. fault Raw ratings dropped.
0: But you do it in a different way. Just you could say that, you know, like Raw was mismanaged or, yeah. was, uh, you know, run to the ground. But you don't tell your audience that the fewest people ever that are watching your show because most of them don't know that.
1: You're right, exactly. And I think also it has the the unfortunate backfire of, making Baron Corbin almost look foolish. So like you want Baron Corbin to get over here if you're WWE, right? And you want him to be a bad guy, but instead you go to the extreme and make him look like a fool because we can't have good ratings while he's on TV. So yeah, I agree. Bad call all the way around there. Um, we, we did have this great uh, so after the Kurt Angle segment we did have this um, the Finn Balor uh, redemption segment right Finn Balor came out and um, uh, by the way love the red shirt here I have I, I bought almost every shirt Finn Balor has had since he's joined I mean I don't buy that many wrestling shirts but um, the Finn Balor shirts always draw my attention I love this red shirt here. Uh, but we had finn Balor coming out tonight and his kind of his head held high promo and i don't like the choice of words here i think it was a little bit cheesy when he says i made brock lesnar believe um but i i get what he's saying here and i think the fans you really saw an organic fan reaction to finn Balor tonight it's been it's been building but tonight i think he was like the fans love this dude and and they really want to see more from him yeah and
0: um I, I thought he shouldn't have mentioned that his match with Brock was ten minutes, you know, because yeah. that sounds very yeah. short. And it was actually a little under ten minutes. But when he's like, you know, I gave him the fight of his life for ten minutes, it's like, well, <laughs> take out the ten minutes, it sounds a lot more. Important. That's right, That's um, right. But yeah, now you know Vince's promo uh, next week with the last week with the David and Goliath stuff. Um, you know, you knew Finn wasn't going to be Brock. It seems it still seems odd to me that Brock let you know beat him up more after the match, but I guess they're just trying to get more heat on Brock. Um, but with Finn, um, you know, this is leading to Lashley. Um, I don't, I, it, you know, we. I keep forgetting. I keep assuming that everything happening tonight is, you know, leading to something at WrestleMania, with, but I'm forgetting that we got a li- an elimination chamber in just, a, you know, a couple of weeks. And then, and then we got Fastlane <laughs> after that. That's crazy. We got two pay per views before WrestleMania, which is just insane. They should cut one of those out. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess they're leading to Finn versus Lashley at Elimination Chamber. I don't want to see Lashley lose already the Intercontinental title, but from a storyline perspective, I feel like that's how the story has got to end is with Finn beating Lashley. Um, Otherwise, it it just seems completely buried. And, you know, Vince's point from the, you know, last week that, Finn can't beat a a big giant just comes true. It doesn't help him at all.
1: Yeah, I I think that the Lashley thing is interesting because it feels like we're doing Brock Lesnar part, duh. You know, like we're doing this again. We're going to have little guy versus big guy. Lashley was Lashley was fine here. Um, He definitely looks great with that strap. It, it fits him perfectly. But I, I don't know. I kind of wish, and you're right. I keep forgetting this too. We have two more pay-per-views, so this feud could come and go. And by the time we get to March, we're going into something totally different. But I was kind of hoping we'd get to see something like, listen, if Seth Rollins is going to go after Brock, why don't we pair up Finn Balor with... Daniel Bryan and, and I get it. They're on different brands, but you can work around that this time of year in some pretty creative ways. So I, I, I wish we could have kept Finn in this main event picture. It feels like he was finally cresting. I, I said last night, we're probably going to wait till Summerslam with him and Seth, but you know, that was the direction I was hoping they'd go.
0: Um, yeah, it feels like there's no clear cut direct. I mean, we'll see tomorrow, but there's no real clear direction for Daniel Bryan right now for WrestleMania.
1: Not it's no true. obvious one. You know, you got to imagine they're going to have him defend his title on at least one of those two pay-per-views. And, and maybe the other one, there's a, you know, some kind of contenders match. We'll see. Yeah. Raj, it finally happened. You got the reunion you've been waiting over 10 years for. We saw Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder reunited to take on the Revival. <laughs> I love this. And the,
0: the revival reunited after Dawson teamed with a <laughs> Razor last night. I, I do not get why they did that unless it was just a way to not get Dash Wilder a, a pay per view check, just... um, because you know a- Acom a- Acom a- Acom uh, he's injured. So yeah. I don't know. You know Dash Wilder's been the most public with being unhappy. Uh, you know he's got the the. The tweet about the Young Bucks wrestling the one buck, Young Bucks one day saying it'll happen. He's got that pinned on his Twitter. He changed his profile, to his real name. So I don't know if last night was just a way to get him out of a pay-per-view check. But here they are together, so he's definitely not injured or anything.
1: The revival made quick work of um Kurt Hawkins and Zach Ryder here. I think the most interesting thing about this whole this whole thing. Number one, Revival looked pretty dominant in their win here, and, and it seems like they're pushing them again. Maybe we're gonna see something with them finally. Maybe the upper management is listening with the tweets and the dissatisfaction and AEW and all that jazz. But I think I think it's so funny when WWE does this. At random times, they'll lean into their history and pull up these factoids and bring up clips and take the time to tell a story. Like, they're going to do something with it, even though they won't. And this is a great example of that. They literally pulled up many clips of Hawkins and Ryder teaming together and how they uh, they told the story of how they first teamed together, won the tag team championships, the youngest tag team champions on SmackDown in history, how they were teamed up with Edge. And they did the whole bit just to have them lose, and we probably won't see them again together anytime soon. I, I, I actually
0: don't agree. I think... If you've watched WWE with the tag teams, they pretty much, once they start feuding, just have them wrestle over and over and over again. So I'm sure uh, they're probably going to wrestle again next week. And and I'm guessing um, we're going to see Hawkins get his first win over the Revival. I, okay. I don't think uh, Zach Ryder and Hawkins, I don't think this was just a one week thing. I think it was to kind of still build to you, you see him as a team. We still haven't gotten Hawkins first win, but it'll happen.
1: Okay. you have a little more That's f- my guess. You have more faith in the, the writing team than I do. I would not <laughs> no, be. To- I, th- I,
0: I think I'm with you. I feel like it should have been a longer build. You don't just get, go to the match right away, right. but just how they book their tag teams. That's what they do is they just have them wrestle over and over. I mean, I pro- <laughs> you know what it'll probably be is next week. One of the revival faces Zach Ryder. And then the next week one of the revival faces, Hawkins, and then they've, Wrestle on the pre-show of Elimination Chamber, and that's where they get their win.
1: We, um, I, I think it's funny. Do you think well, we're going to have Kurt Kurt Hawkins win his first match on a pre-show match? Is that what you're speculating? <laughs>
0: that's probably yeah. I huh? don't see. I don't see this match being on the main card. You yeah. see, it's so hard to get on the main card nowadays. Though.
1: That is true. Um, uh, we had uh, one of the more interesting segments of the night here. Elias um, in his mm-hmm. typical guitar segment, and 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 that was a lot of fun here. But what made it interesting is. Playing off of last night at the Rumble, we had Double Day, Double J, Jeff Jarrett come out here and interrupt Elias, and um, and then as strange as this was, Road Dog came out here as well, and they start singing together. Was this just not the most bizarre segment in the world? What did you think?
0: Uh, it was it was bizarre. So Elias turned heel again. I don't yeah. know if it was <laughs> just for this segment. Uh, it, it did seem like it was it was back to a being a heel, uh, not just for tonight, but you know going forward so he was a baby face for what like three months yeah uh if that um yeah i mean i thought jeff jarrett looked a lot better than last night with what he was wearing yes the outfit he had last night was not very complimentary he looked a lot better tonight he looked fine you know like he he looked like he didn't look out of place in the ring and his punches looked so good road dog didn't look as good but it was you know, it was entertaining, but I don't know how many people watched wrestling because, you know, with my baby, it's called With My Baby Tonight, right? Or I yeah. Can't Be Alone, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, that was like 94, 95 during like a, a really cool period for WWE. That's when they were, um, you know, they were getting, I mean, their ratings were higher then than they are now, but they were, uh, for that period, it was a low point. And so I don't know how many people know the, the roadie and, and that whole angle but i thought it was it was fun the crowd was into it um you know elias got to hit them both with guitars (laughs) we got him some heel heat so overall i thought it was an entertaining segment i was never bored i actually really liked it
1: i i I think yeah i I don't want to get mistaken here i enjoyed the segment i just thought it was so bizarre and and you're right like we're we're leaning into wwe history in a weird way here nobody remembers road dog from his time with double J and nobody remembers double J from this era and this period in history. They remember the late intercontinental championship run in the late nineties of double J. They remember his run in WCW and his NWA TNA run, but this is the kind of the weird thing. WWE is leaning into here and it's fine. I I, I liked it. I think Jeff Jarrett looks surprisingly good here. and I think the punches he threw were very crisp. The way he blocked his timing was all on to be somebody who's 51 years old. I was very impressed and I almost wonder if what they're – again, we still have two more pay-per-views to go before April. But I almost wondered if what they're building towards is an Elias-Legends match of some type. I think that could be fun.
0: Hey, they did it with Jericho against Snuka and Piper. and who is it? Snuka, Piper, and Flair, right, at WrestleMania yes. one year? So, yeah, I mean, they could do a tag team with Road Dogg and Jeff Jarrett against Elias. I don't – I don't know if I really want to see that. But Maybe
1: it, just a Jeff Jarrett versus Elias guitar on a pole match or something like that. That could be a fun match.
0: If they were doing it, I don't think they'd start building it this early. So if they do something, Absolutely. it's probably going to be at Elimination Chamber.
1: It's probably going to be Jeff Jarrett and Taker at, at WrestleMania. Am I right? That seems like the right the right <laughs> pairing. All right. We have this um, really, really strange segment after this. And I say strange. I, I I get it, but I'm curious. It's more of a curious strange. What are we gonna see from this strange? And that was Mojo Raleigh staring deep into his own soul, literally staring himself down in the mirror. And it felt like what we're getting now. And and Mojo was kind of challenging himself, like, you know, he's his own worst enemy. And it seems like we're gonna get here is kind of a Mojo Raleigh reboot. And and I um I could I could be convinced by that. I think it's something Mojo Raleigh is long overdue for. I think uh, we've had the get hyped guy. But Mojo Raleigh is kind of a new character. Could be interesting if it's done the right way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've seen this before. Um, I thought Mojo was really good in his promo here. I think he he's actually a great promo when he's, uh, you know, when he's given the chance. But he's just not that,
1: yelling, get hyped, right?
0: Yeah, it's just once he gets in the ring... Um, yeah, it, it, there, it, there's just something missing and I I don't know if it's the wardrobe or his mannerisms or, or something. So he, he just needs to tweak something and um, we'll see. I mean, he, he was getting a little bit of a push last year. Remember he had that feud with Bobby Roode that lasted like three weeks. He got a couple wins, then face Roode lost and then was basically off of TV ever since. So uh, we'll, we'll see what they do. But I thought, uh, I thought Mojo was good in this backstage segment.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a different direction for Mojo. It was it was strange um, to see him kind of being more serious? I think the thing you're talking about here, Raj, is that Mojo's in ring style is very chaotic, and I think that works for some people. But I think I can't take Mojo Raleigh seriously when he's bouncing around the ring like a, a sugared up six year old. You know, that's what I struggle yeah.
0: with. Yeah, yeah. Maybe slowed it, slow it down. Be a little more methodical. Uh, he's a big guy. You know, maybe show that you're a bigger more powerful guy as opposed to just running around frantic pace I, I,
1: for a heel I don't know it just doesn't it just hasn't been working yeah I agree uh you know big guys can move fast Samoa Joe moves fast Brock Lesnar moves fast Kevin Owens moves fast but they don't do it in this kind of frenzied way that I just think is not interesting to watch as a pro wrestling fan so uh, we had our next contendership here for the Elimination Chamber Women's Tag Team Championship, Uh, Dana Brooke and Natalya versus Riot Squad. They led the match with Dana Brooke and Natalya having a little bit of dissension there right out the gate, which I thought is interesting. And and it seems like they're teasing a little bit more here. Um, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan looked really good here. They, They put over how strong Sarah Logan is multiple times in this match. Riot's got, Riot Squad walks away with the win here, which I think is the right call. Again, the tag team here walks away. The odd pairing does not. But it, it felt like we're going to see maybe a little bit more from this Dana Brooke and Natalia feud, which uh, could could be interesting. We've done nothing with Dana Brooke for forever, but let's put her in a feud with Natalia. Why not?
0: Yeah, a couple of things. Some people pointing out that it was uh, WrestleMania was Jericho versus Steamboat.
1: Oh, Steamboat. Um, that's right.
0: S- Steamboat, uh, uh, Piper, and Snuka with Ric Flair in their corner. Uh, so quick, and uh,
1: remember too, that was quick, quick correction, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to, I love that. So, that was that weird year where he was supposed to fight Mickey Rourke, but Mickey Rourke's right. manager wouldn't let it happen. So, they went with this match and it ended up being what the next month Jericho just fought. Um, us, uh, who were the three guys again? It was Steamboat,
0: Snuka, and um, Steamboat, Snuka, and uh, yeah. Jesus, I <laughs> hey, Snuka. Yes.
1: Yeah, steamboat steamboat Sp- Sn-
0: Sn- Sn- and Piper
1: and Piper. Yeah. Yeah. He ended up fighting, um, steamboat the next month at, um, the pay-per-view that month. Through. Anyway, uh, I, I, disgress, but, uh, yeah. So this, this match here, Dana Brooke and Natalia versus Rat squad. Um, Sarah Logan looked strong. Liv Morgan looked good. Um, dissension here between Dana Brooke and Natalia. What'd you think? I, I thought, I thought it looked good. And I thought Dana actually looked
0: really good here. I thought she looked uh, better than she has in a long time. She did that cool move on the outside, that little flip thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought she looked good. Um, How do you feel about and, you know, a- her, and her feuding with Natalia? Yeah, that's probably a good thing for her, you know because Natalia has the most experience on the roster, she's the best worker so I, th- I think that would I think that would help her immensely if, if they are given time on the live events to you know to, to work and get Dana some more singles experience, I think it's a good thing.
1: I love Natalia in this role. And can I say, I I feel like Natalia is one of those gems that we have right now that we just don't appreciate enough. Natalia really is. She is like the work. I know we said this about Becky Lynch and others, but Natalia is that workhorse in the women's division. She's been around for so many years. She's seen it through so many different iterations and she really does get a lot out of the people she wrestles with. So I I think this could be a fun, like raw feud to kind of carry on some women's segments here and there. And um, Dana Brooke just needs something if we're going to keep Dana Brooke around uh, and keep her relevant. Yeah, we'll of- see I mean
0: they did say so they said that Ember Moon was supposed to team with Natalia uh but she was hurt so I don't yeah. know if that's a they they hadn't mentioned that earlier in the show I don't know if that's legit or that was just storyline I'm guessing it's storyline but mm. well I'll 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 ask about
1: that Speaking of women's segments and speaking of women's segments that matter we had um I would say the most interesting segment of the night here and that was the Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey stare down. And, and let's just say right out the gate, as always, Becky Lynch came out fiery red hot and cut one hell of a promo. I mean, this was just an amazing promo by Becky Lynch on the mic here. Uh, you know, I, you, we, we could talk about her all night long. And then you contrast that with the Ronda Rousey promo that um just it, it was just Oh, I, she, the words were there. She tried to have the emotion, but, um, I just felt like there was a struggle there. I I felt like there was just Ronda Rousey could not get past the fans booing her and booing her violently. And the poise of Becky here made Ronda look even worse by proxy.
0: Well, it depends. I mean, it was a tale of two promos. I thought Ronda's when she first came out before the match with Bailey started, uh, she got flustered. The crowd was booing her like crazy. She didn't know what to say. She was like, you know, twiddling the microphone in her hand. It almost felt like they hit Bailey's music a little early because Rhonda got lost in her promo. But then the one she cut on Becky at the end to close it, I thought was awesome. I thought that was one of her best promos on the main roster. Um, it felt real. It didn't feel, they script her some weird lines and weird things to say where it just comes across as so scripted. Usually when she, when she says it to where, when the promo she cut on on Becky after almost felt like a shoot. Like she, you know, was saying that from her own. I'm sure she wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't all scripted, but it felt like I don't know if the crowd booing her or what it was, but she got fired up and and that felt very real. I thought she kind of stole the the scene at the end mm. from Becky a little bit, but. um
1: and I did overlook I, I, the and- fact, I got so excited about this segment. Uh, we did have an open challenge here from Ronda. Bailey came out to answer. Um, and that happened before all of this kind of chaos surrounded uh, the Ronda, Rousey, Becky Lynch segment there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ronda and Bailey, they had a kind of a nothing match. Um, yeah. You know, again, when I think of, I I, keep, I say this over and over. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I feel like ronda should be booked as this badass that's not doing these long matches and i just i use that as an example i just think of like brock's matches with aj finn daniel bryan that's really how it should be like brock you know ronda's dominant and so when she finally loses to someone like a becky it, it just means a lot uh, as opposed to just having her like every other woman on the on the roster uh it, it, that being said the you know ronda bailey i'm sure they didn't have much time to work out the, the spot so you know, in that, that sense, it was probably a, as good as it could be. Um, but, you know, it, I, I think it was completely forgotten by the time they did the post-match segment. And I thought that felt like a WrestleMania main event. The Rhonda and Becky, when Becky came out and they were looking at each other and the crowd's going crazy, that felt like a WrestleMania main event. I hope they don't add Charlotte Flair. That's just going to water it down. That one-on-one seems uh, like magic
1: i just raj I, I just can't get there with ronda rallying this segment i i think you're right ronda needs to look like a badass in every every segment she's in and i felt like she came across more i i almost felt like she it reminded me of when roman reigns and john cena had their feud a few years back and when roman reigns would cut her promo on john cena that was fine and john cena would fire back with just, just spit fire and brimstone right and and i think that here ronda rousey the words i I think she had fire and emotion but i would almost rather she almost seemed a little bit petulant like she seemed like a child she threw the mic down and i get that was supposed to be anger but i didn't feel like i wasn't invested in it i wish ronda had just kind of had her badass swagger and walked out i think that would have made me more convinced here by ronda's dominance here instead becky and the smirk (laughs) to me just stole the moment every time ronda tried to get over here (laughs)
0: I mean, I definitely think her when she, when Rhonda comes out and she's doing that ah shucks, I'm happy to be here stuff. It, sure. it I just feel like it never is effective. But I I, I disagree on the closing uh, at the end. I thought Rhonda really uh, was really good at the
1: end. But um if only we had a know. third person here to settle this argument, you know. I know, break the, break the tie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well um, uh but, set up, I, but
0: that, that I thought Becky was great too. I, uh, I thought she was awesome in this segment. I thought this segment was great. I almost wanted Ronda to attack Becky's you know bum leg. You know, yeah. like the crowd's booing on her because I, I wonder if this is one of those. Uh, and I tweeted this uh, one of those tipping points where you know the fans they see this big crowd booing Ronda and then all of a sudden that's the cool thing to do like they done they they did with Batista they did with Roman Reigns and that becomes the thing now to boo Ronda. And if that's the case, we might might as well turn her heel. It just adds, makes Becky a bigger baby face.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, WWE won't be tempted to. There have been rumors that she might be leaving sometime in the near future after Mania. So we'll we'll see if that plays into the decision at all. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I'm
0: almost sure that she probably won't be a weekly character uh, by the time June rolls around by by the summer.
1: And I I think there's something here, too, about... Ronda Rousey does not always... uh does not always interact with the fans the right way. I, I think some of this, the comments she made after the rumors last weekend and felt very hostile and aggressive. And I think if if you go this route and turn her heel, knowing how hot Becky is, I think it would be so easy to convince the fans to get behind a heel Ronda Rousey. And I think it would really add to the, it would really fuel this, this feud even more. I, I hope, number one, I hope you're right, Raj, that this has not turned into a triple threat match. We do not need Charlotte in this match. I think that was very obvious tonight. Number two... I hope upon hope this is our true WrestleMania main event, because I think these two women, I think Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, but especially Becky Lynch have worked their tails off. Every woman, there's been a lot of women's in division have done this, but to get over in this way, to take this feud here, I'd love to see it go on last on the, on the biggest show.
0: I mean, it felt like it, right? Like by the end of the show, Becky and and Ronda, that their ending segment felt way stronger than uh, Seth and Brock.
1: Yeah absolutely absolutely we ended up next with um kind of this uh weird uh not weird but just the carryover feud here they've been building towards it all night uh drew mcintyre versus braun Strowman. it was kind of one of their 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 main event of the match match of the night i guess and, and a carryover from their previous view they built up how drew had kind of uh broken braun's Arm and injured him and all of that stuff. So uh, this match um, really was just a showcase of the big men until uh, Baron Corbin interrupted it and, and kind of teamed up with Drew to take out Braun Strowman. I love, I, I just get a kick out of these segments where Braun Strowman is running around the ring just like a Mack truck, knocking people down, and that was fun. Some really, really great controlled chaos there. And then uh, to end the segment, Drew McIntyre um, with Baron Corbin choke slamming Braun Strowman onto the steel steps it felt like some kind of uh, some kind of unity here between these two heels and braun Strowman again looking is going to be looking for revenge come next week
0: it felt like a just a, a rehash of that angle they did what was it before braun went for surgery when it yeah. was the two of them uh bobby lashley and uh dolph attacking him um. Yeah, I'm guessing that they're probably going to do a two-on-one handicap match at Elimination Chamber with Braun against Drew and, and Baron Corbin. I'm guessing that's where it's going. Braun has lost a lot of steam. Um, that that match against Brock at Crown Jewel I think hurt him a lot. Before that, it was hard to picture anyone beating him, and now mm-hmm. he's just a big guy that's there. He, he doesn't. He's losing that aura, that unbeatable monster aura, and. I I don't know. He's just been hurt a lot. I feel like over the last few months.
1: Yeah. And I I think too, um you're right that match at crown jewel i think to me convinced me he wasn't quite as he's just had a couple of weird misses here with with a few things um not always his fault sometimes it's been the booking i'm really worried the most here though baron corbin is baron corbin they have him where they want him but drew mcintyre to me is the guy that's ready to break out you know even if you don't go with braun when you have seth rollins presumably win at wrestlemania Drew McIntyre is the guy that's got to be the one to take down Seth Rollins. Eventually, he's the monster heel. He can go in the ring. He's got the physique. And I don't want to see them spoil Drew McIntyre by putting him in all these awkward tag teams, tag team cycles. We've seen him with Dolph Ziggler for months. Right. I want to see Drew have a great singles feud and really take somebody out. That's what Drew has been missing since his return. And we've just not seen that yet.
0: Yeah, over the last couple months outside of the beating Dolph in a steel cage, Drew hasn't really had a big really big strong win outside of, you know, again outside of Dolph, but against like a a more upper tier guy. Um his his momentum is stalled too. Um I, you know, I I wonder as well like I I see the same thing as you. When I see Drew, I see a potential main eventer, I see a, p- a potential world champion. Um but at the same time when his when his matches do start, the crowd does is not fully into it. Right. They they're not um, they're not crazy booing him. They're not cheering him. They're just kind of silence. There's no, the, the connection's still missing a little. And I think he needs that big storyline, like the right feud to kind of get him to that next level. Whether it's someone like a Cena, they kind of got a built in storyline. If Cena's not going to be facing Lars Sullivan at WrestleMania now, Drew seems like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, a, a natural fit. And, and that's something I think could really help him
1: out. I like the way you think that could be a, a really, a really great way to take him to the next level. Absolutely. The main event um, a f- segment of the evening, the thing that they built all night towards was the decision. And I honestly Raj, I, I don't recall this, but I thought Brock Lesnar, he had not been formally announced for tonight. People had said that he wasn't yeah. supposed to be on the card originally.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, with Brock, they almost always advertise his appearances. It helps ticket sales, you know, RAW tonight, even though it's the night after the rumble was not sold out. The entire upper deck was tarped off and uh, the lower bowl was, it was about 90% full from our correspondence. So uh, it, yeah, it wasn't sold out. So it seemed like one of those things you are going to have Brock on advertising. He, he, yeah. he does move ticket sales. So it was kind of surprising that they didn't mention that. And they just casually mentioned, mentioned it at the beginning of the show. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like a, a big, you know, like they were saving it as a surprise, but you know, that being said, I, I thought it, it made for a, a stronger show to have Daniel Bryan and Brock both being there.
1: Yeah. Well, you're going to have that tease, right? I think it was handled almost perfectly. Me, somebody thinking I'm so smart, like, well, Brock Lesnar's not even here, right? We had Daniel Bryan in, in the segment right beforehand. They teased that as being the guy Seth Rollins might choose. Paul Heyman goes to Brock Lesnar's door. You see the logo, the Brock Lesnar sign on the door and he goes to knock and they cut to commercial. And I was like, yep, there you go. There's your tease. Brock's not actually going to be there. I thought for a hot minute, they might go with Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan the mania. And there's a part of me that got actually really excited about that. That feud,
0: but oh, that would be an awesome match. Um, but who you know, then who do you got for Brock? You know, I mean, you could do you could have done Braun, Braun, yeah. Um, but it's
1: clear, I mean, I think this has been their plan for a while
0: now: Seth yeah. versus Brock.
1: I just, you know, Oh, we we all get caught up fantasy booking sometimes. And, but I think that this is the right call here, right? We have Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, cut a great promo that, that Seth Rollins interrupted. We saw Seth Rollins run out and it wasn't even an exchange of words. Seth Rollins just went straight after the beast, but the beast got the upper hand. He hit about 15 F fives to end the show. And, um, Brock looked dominant to, uh, go to, um, next week's episode.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I could see them wanting to make it look like Seth is the underdog. So I would assume that Seth is beating Brock again. There have been so many times where it looks like, you know, Brock losing is inevitable, you know, WrestleMania 32. It seemed like Roman beating Brock was the obvious choice and that they brought in Seth Rollins to cashing in, Uh, you know, uh, last year at WrestleMania, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Roman was beating Brock for the title. And then they had Brock won at the last minute. Brock versus Braun at crown jewel. I think everyone was expecting Braun to win the title and Brock won that match. So you never know. I'm assuming that Seth is beating Brock at mania. So I can see them wanting to build that. He's the underdog going into this. And then he finally conquers Brock. And and that's a cool story to tell and all, but I, I don't, I, I just don't think people buy Seth at Brock's level. And so I almost felt like he needed to have Seth draw first blood like mm. tonight, Seth, gets the better of Brock then you know a few weeks down the line you could have Brock attack him and you know attack him from behind destroy him do whatever but I felt like Seth should have drawn first blood here because it's like Seth hasn't been booked that strong over the last few months Brock has been booked as a monster forever you know just give it something to right away in the fans minds they're like maybe he could do this you know
1: I, I think I get what you're saying, and I um I like the fact that Seth did have the first bout of offense here. He definitely cut the crap beat out of him. I think there's enough time though that we're going to get to that. You know, we again, if this was February March, maybe I'd be saying something different here. But the fact that we still have four more months of TV time to, to fill, I think I think Seth Rollins kind of having been taken out one night and having to cut promos for weeks without Brock Lesnar there. The chase makes more sense here, and you have him beat down to go into it. I like the segment. I thought it was a great way to end the show, um, and 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 I'm, I'm digging what they're doing here.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, you could do it either way. I just felt like um, Rollins is just now starting to get some momentum. I, th- sure. I think it would just help his momentum more right off the bat. And then, like I said, I agree. Like, down the road, you have Brock getting the better of him. But since Seth just is now getting some momentum uh, to kind of cut it off right away, you know, again, they're they're going to get to the same place eventually, anyway. But uh, I I probably would have just done it a little different.
1: Sure. So, um, I mean, on a scale of one to ten, I'd give this show I don't know about seven point five on a scale of A to F. I'd probably give it a B. Yeah. Uh, what's what's your takeaways from tonight's show, Raj? Yeah, I
0: mean it's kind of a weighted scale uh, for the Raw's these days. I'd say B <laughs> plus A minus, you know, compared <laughs> to the Baron Corbin
1: it Raws, show. it's an A plus 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 right.
0: Yeah, compared to what they were dishing on the fall. Um, yeah, it's uh it's beyond the scale. So I thought I thought it was a good show.
1: Yeah, I, I I think it was a complete show, and again, they built intrigue throughout the night for all the segments, everything had a purpose, and that's what you want from a wrestling show. I mean, not, in, not no match was an instant classic. Uh, not every segment amounted to a hill of beans, but there was a purpose and intent behind it that we don't often get. I did not find myself bored at any spot during these three hours. And that's saying something, especially after 17 hours last night with the rumble and NXT the night before we've been watching a lot of wrestling lately. We saw smack on tomorrow night, so I dug it. So there you go. Um, well, I, I think that's about it for me, Raj. What do you think? Uh, well, we had a couple of things to talk about. Um,
0: let's see here. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we've exclusively reported, Justin Labar, exclu- exclusively reported on Wrestling Inc. this morning that Shane Helms is starting with the company as a producer. So, uh, he started today. He's uh, he was backstage at Raw tonight. So, he was just with ROH, like, you know, just a couple months ago. So, um, pretty quickly... Uh, moving from ROH to now being with WWE. So uh, it's a good hire. They're hiring a ton of producers right now. They just got Sanjay Dutt and Abyss from TNA last week, or I mean, Impact Wrestling last week. So, um, and then Jeff Jarrett uh, signed a, a full-time deal. And he, or, or he's, he signed a deal with WWE where he's going to be working behind the scenes as a producer. So four producers in the last week, uh, and, you know, some big names with a lot of, a lot of experience. So they're really... Um, really doing a lot of hiring right now.
1: It's almost like they're trying to hire some guys before, I don't know, before somebody else can get to them. Like what's, what's something like that? You know,
0: Kind of strange. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> does seem like that.
1: No, I, I think these are, you know, these are, these are good hires. I like double J here, um, be, be getting a, a more permanent deal. I think it's a good fit for him. I think I'm glad to see that bridge kind of be mended after all these years and the infamous firing back in um, 2001 i think shane helms is an interesting one shane helms is one of those guys that he's been around the indies ever since he left wwe i mean he was remember he was on ecw and all that jazz but for the last 10 years he's just kind of been hanging out there people recognize him uh but he's not he's not been he's been with roh he's done some stuff here and there so interesting to see him come back into the fold in this way he's got a good wrestling mind about him he's been around some big moments and big stars so good for him um you know with this many producers i yeah. i get it we, yeah. got a, yeah. we got a lot of tv here i guess that's what it is right we just have so much tv we need this many producers
0: right yeah i guess so um so yeah i mean uh, you know these are solid hires so um good for them yeah um so ember moon this is wwe just tweeted this out she's gonna need elbow su- surgery um so she that she legitimately suffered an elbow injury and they they're saying it's going to require immediate surgery. So Mm. um, hopefully it doesn't keep her out of action too long. Uh, Usually that means a few months at least. Uh, So uh, that would probably keep her out of WrestleMania, but uh, that sucks. I mean, Ember Ember's really good. So it always sucks to see an injury like that happen, especially this close to WrestleMania
1: love ember moon i hate the fact that she debuted last year and she was never kind of given that big platform i thought she deserved i debuted on the main roster i should say last year after mania and i never felt like she got that big big moment she deserved uh on the main roster she's kind of been in the back burner a little bit i hate it for um you know such as life
0: yeah and you know um it's not like she's being buried or anything like that so uh, you could always move her up Uh, she's uh you know she's still She's still new. She's still a little green. So getting a little more seasoning before getting a, a big push, I don't think would hurt her. Um, and last but not least, Kenny Omega, uh, the latest being the elite drop today. Uh, They're hitting at a countdown for nine, a little over nine days. They were teasing. Matt Jackson was teasing, talking to Omega on the phone. Hmm. Um, so, and, and, you know, he made a comment like, yeah, I can't believe people thought you were going to be there last night. You know, referencing the Royal rumble and basically teasing that he's going to be at their ticket party on February 7th in Las Vegas. Uh, so I, I'll, that's what I think everyone's expecting. They're going to announce that they signed Kenny Omega at that, uh, that, that ticket event that they have in Las Vegas, the double or nothing ticket sale.
1: Mm.
0: So no big, big surprise there. For AEW.
1: Yeah. No big surprise there. He joined his buddies over in AEW and, um, I think there's still some fans waiting for him to be the the special 30th entry in the Royal rumble last night. They're still there tonight waiting for him. It's not going to happen now, which
0: especially (laughs) right now it's impossible. He's under contract from new Japan for another several days through this month. So yeah. Um, also, uh, last night we didn't mention this on the podcast, but WWE, there was an incident where WWE, the security had a fan with an AEW shirt, take that shirt off. And, um, you know, it's well within their right. It's not the first time they've done that, um, but it, you know, it was captured on video. It got, it went viral on social media. The young bucks both posted responses to it, saying, "You know, you can wear WWE shirts to our events." It's one of those things that it just makes them look petty and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a little insecure. Uh, but it, you know, it's well within their right to do it, of course. But it just, it's not, you know, just makes them look a little petty.
1: This fan, it looked like was in the front row. If you watch the footage, it seemed like he was smack dab front and center. So that could have been part of the, not trying to defend it. I don't, I don't need the hate mail. I'm just telling you their justification is likely because he was in the front row and would have had a TV camera on him all night long. I agree with you, Rod. You you
0: see bullet, you you see bullet club shirts all the time. Um, I've seen them in the front row before. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, i'll go i'm sorry
1: go ahead no 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 i just i agree with you i think it is petty though i think you're the bigger man here just take us nobody's gonna care people aren't even gonna people who don't know what aw is they're gonna see that and not i just think it's some wrestling thing right so i it, it shouldn't have done it they were lucky that guy had an undershirt on that when he took his top shirt off he wasn't right. just bare there chested going. there on tv so
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so um Yeah. Again, you're almost acknowledging that these guys are a real threat by, by having to do that. You know, I don't see them. They wouldn't have someone change a CZW shirt. Right.
1: An AML America's most liked wrestling shirt, right? There you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, yeah, Yeah. I think, uh, I think that that's about it. Oh, someone was asking uh, in the chat, they were asking about Kevin Owens when he's returning. I think he's, he should be cleared in the next month or two, but it, in the observer last week they were saying he's probably not gonna be back on WWE TV until after WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. So
1: Okay. Yeah. Well am I gonna be back here tomorrow night Raj? Is that the plan? Is any are you gonna be here tomorrow night? Is that the that's the real question?
0: I will be here. Yeah, I'm going to be here. Uh, Glenn is still iffy. It depends on how he's feeling tomorrow. Uh, Matt definitely not. He's really sick. I uh, heard from him tonight, and it's he's really sick. So, uh, hopefully you know. Hopefully, Glenn can make it as well. Uh, otherwise, man, I had I had fun. So, yeah, you know.
1: thank you. Well, I am Michael Wiseman here. If you like what I did here tonight, um, we'll be back tomorrow night after SmackDown. In the meantime, you can catch me tomorrow afternoon at noon Easter time. I will be. On the Winkly, uh, with Wrestling Inc. managing editor Nick Halsman, we will be breaking down whatever news happens between now and then. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at the Real Wiseman. Raj, where can people find you other than Wrestling Inc., of course?
0: Yeah, Gary underscore three hundred three. Also on tomorrow's episode of the Winkly, an exclusive interview with Scarlett Bordeaux, who talks about you know her lap dance segment with Scott Steiner, how it's gotten a ton of YouTube views. Talks about some people uh, criticizing, uh, you know, her bringing sexy back to her wrestling. Uh, if, if WWE, their, their change uh, in direction, they've gotten a little edgier if it has anything to do with how well her, you know, segments have been doing online. Uh, so a uh, really fun uh, fun interview with Scarlett. So check out tomorrow's uh, edition of The Winkly.
1: And, and you can always, that reminds me, definitely make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Podcatcher or Dogcatcher or Pocketcast, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to the audio version because that Winkley show is great. It's live. It's on YouTube. But that audio version gets the interviews. You get everything else there. You can always, um, and then you can preserve this in all your audio glory if you want to just listen to us when you go to sleep every night. That's up to you. So <laughs> that's it for me. Yeah. Raj, if that's it for you, I just want to thank everybody for listening tonight. We've enjoyed it. And we will catch you right back here tomorrow night after SmackDown.